Welcome to the Staying Connected podcast, the preaching ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in Montrose, Colorado. I am Pastor Roland Kennison, and I want to thank you for listening. Christmas is a special time of year for most people, but it's an especially poignant time for the church. The theme of today's sermon focuses on the first coming of Christ that we celebrate every Christmas. I pray you'll be encouraged by its message. Now, let's begin our time today. I'm going to be in the traditional Christmas message passage. We're going to be looking in Luke chapter 2 this morning. So turn in your computer turn on your computers and or phones or turn in your Bible or however you are going to read God's word. Let's read this together. Now I'm going to read the entire not the entire passage, but the first 10 verses and then we'll I'll preach on a section of that. But let's read Luke chapter 2 starting in verse 1. It says, Now in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. And this was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and laying in a manger. Let's pray together this morning. God, I thank you for this story that tells us about the birth of Jesus, the events surrounding it, and God, I pray this morning that we would truly understand good news to all people and what that means, and I pray that we would be faithful to share it, and I ask this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, William Dix was born in Bristol, England in 1837, and his father was a surgeon, but William grew up not really wanting to be a surgeon. He had different interests than medicine, and he did not want to follow in his father's footsteps. So when he was old enough, he moved to Glasgow, and he became a marine insurance salesman. 
That is, he insured ships and their cargo as they went out to sea, pretty much the opposite of, of a surgeon. But William's real passion wasn't insurance. His real passion was poetry. He became afflicted by an unexpected and severe sickness, and, and this confined him to his bed for an extended period of time. And it was during this illness, through time spent in prayer and in reading the Bible and other Christian literature, that he experienced a transformation resulting in a spiritual renewal. He became closer and closer to God. And it was during this time he began to vote his poetry to Christian themes. And after he recovered, he would write poetry and hymns, uh, and, and that's what he would spend his time doing. And in 1865, he wrote a Christmas poem that he entitled, The Manger Throne. The words from this poem, The Manger Throne, was put to the traditional English song, Green Sleeves. And that gives us the Christmas carol we just sung what child is this? You might remember singing that just a minute ago. It begins with Jesus' birth, with, with Jesus sleeping on Mary's lap, and angels and shepherds are close by. And the second verse, the traditional second verse, asks the question, why would Jesus be in such a mean estate, such a common place? And it goes on to speak of Jesus' purpose, to, and, 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 and his purpose was to plead for the salvation of sinners and to become the redeeming sacrifice of mankind. Here's what the original second verse says. When it's not changed or, or sung differently, this is what it says. While he, while, let me try that again. Why lie he's in such mean a state where ox and ass are feeding? Good Christians fear, for sinners here, the silent word is pleading. Nails Spears shall pierce him through the cross he bore for me, for you. Hail, hail, the Word made flesh, the babe, the son of Mary. That's one thing I really like about Christmas carols. They have a strong gospel message. They have great theology embedded in them. And you may have your reasons why you sing them during this time, but the reason we sing these songs in church is because they tell the gospel story. When the New Testament uses the word gospel, I'm using that word, that's a church word, it, it's, it's from the word where we get the word evangelism from. Gospel and evangelism are related linguistically. In the Greek... That word evangelism is literally two words that mean good news. 
And if you did a word study on the word gospel, and you did a word study on the, the words good news, you would end up looking up variations of the same word we get evangelism from. And it literally means the good news. The evangelism is going and tell people there's good news in this world. And that's what the angels brought to the shepherds the night Jesus was born. In fact, we don't have a lot of the story of what went on in the barn. We have a good idea. Many of us have walked as parents through childbirth. But instead of getting us some detailed account of the birthing progress, I mean the process of the king of creation, the scene moves to a field with some shepherds in it. And the angels appear, and they give the shepherds a great message. And that's what we're going to talk about today. First, they told the shepherds that good news is for all people. Look in verse 10. The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. When, they, when, when the angel came to speak to the shepherds, he assured them that he was not bringing a message of doom. And he was not there to bring judgment on the shepherds. Instead, he said, we have good news today. And it was just not for the shepherds. And it wasn't just for the Jewish people. It was good news of great joy for all the people, for everyone. Now, we tend to forget this, but, but it has always been God's plan to include all the nations in his plan of redemption. Even the prophets from the Old Testament saw a day when the world, everyone from the world, or at least everyone from the world had the opportunity. They would come to know the God of the Israelites. Listen to how Isaiah speaks about it. At the very beginning of his prophecy, in Isaiah 2.2, it says this, Now it will come about in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains, and it will be raised above the hills. And look what it says. All the nations will stream to it. Isaiah preached of a day when hordes of people would flow to the place where the sacrifice would be paid for the forgiveness of sins. And all the nations from all the world would stream to it. And the word for nation here is a word specifically reserved for non-Jewish people. It meant that people from everywhere would come. And, and nearer to the end of his prophecy, Isaiah said that, that, God, that God says to his servant, the Messiah, who we know as Jesus, it says in Isaiah 49, 6, God says to the Messiah, is it too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the preserved ones of Israel. But look what he says. I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. 
God has always been concerned about the salvation of all the nations, of all the people. God created humankind. We, we are the only beings in all creation that bear the image of God. And every person you encounter, every person you see on TV, every politician you see on TV and around the world, every baby, every senior citizen, every person who has ever lived have been created in the image of God. And because of that, they have inherent value. And that means that God loves them, every one of them. And he wants them to be saved. He wants to redeem them. And it's God's desire that people everywhere are saved. When talking about praying for the kings and people in authority, who we would call politicians today, Paul tells Timothy this in 1 Timothy 2, this is good and acceptable in the sight of our God, the Savior, to, to pray for our leaders, all of them, even if they're not our party. And he says it's good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Peter would tell his readers a little later in, in the Bible, um, not chronologically, but as we turn in the Bible, he would tell his readers that the reason the end has not come, there's so many of us who think the end is just a second away, and it, and it very well may be, but the, Peter says the reason the end has not come yet, and the message is just as clear as us to us today, is in the midst of a pandemic and government overreach and strange elections and hard economic times, the reason God has not come yet is because he loves all the people who have not trusted Christ as Savior. He says this in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. See, the good news of Jesus' birth is great joy, but not just to us. It is good news of great joy for all people. For the cashier at Walmart you see every week, for the nurse who takes your blood at the doctor's office, for the waiter who took your order in the restaurant, the guy driving down the road too aggressively and, and you're angry at him, the birth of Jesus is good news for everyone. And that good news is that everyone is invited to receive salvation. The invitation is given to everyone. The very end of the Bible, some of the very last words of God's revealed word to us, the very last word God reveals himself in the Bible, it says in Revelation twenty-two seventeen, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. 
come, and let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. God invites all people to come. That is good news. That is the good news. Stephen Curtis Chapman sings a song called The Invitation. Not sure if you've heard this song, but it paints a picture of the invitation that is offered to the world. Listen to the verses of this song. It says this, In the palace, in the land of mercy, the king looked out from his throne. He saw the sick and the homeless and hungry. He saw me lost and without hope. And moved with compassion, he sent out his only son with the invitation to come. The second verse, he goes on and says, So I stood outside the gates and trembled in my rags of unworthiness, afraid to even stand at a distance in the presence of holiness. But just as I turned to go, the gates swung open wide, and the king and his only son, they, in, they invited me inside. It's the invitation. <clears throat> he sings the chorus, this is our invitation. Come, sinner, as you are. Come find what your soul has been longing for. Come find your peace. Come join the feast. Come in. This is our invitation. See, that's the good news. The shepherds were told by the angel. Christ being born is the king of mercy, seeing us sick and thirsty and hungry and all the metaphors that mean we are wallowing in helplessness in our sin. And that great king moved for compassion, for love for us, sent his one and only son who would invite all people to come. Come into the kingdom. Come find the peace your soul longs for. Come find forgiveness of sin. Come find life. That is the invitation for all the people, and that is good news. So who do you know who needs to know about the invitation that's extended to them? What better time than Christmas to say we celebrate today because it reminds us that God extends grace to us all to enter into a relationship through Jesus Christ. The good news is for everyone. But specifically stated, the good news is that we have a Savior. It's it's for everyone, and this is the good news. We have a Savior. Look in verse 11 of Luke chapter 2. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior 
who is Christ the Lord. The angel's message of good news is that there was a Savior who was born. The Savior had finally come. The Savior promised from the beginning of time, the one who would crush the head of the serpent in Genesis 3. The promised seed of Abraham's line, the one who would lead his people to better rest than Joshua did, the king who would rule from David's throne forever, the Messiah that was prophesied throughout all the prophets, the one who would save his people. He has finally come. He was here. He had been born today. You know, the last time I preached, a couple weeks ago, I preached about how Jesus was born to rule. But we also know that he was born to save from his very conception. He existed in eternity past, but when he was Uh, When the Holy Spirit conceived him in, in the womb of Mary, God made it known that this would be his mission in life. We look at the story, the, the, the parallel story from here in Luke 2, and we look to Matthew 1 for the parallel story. And an angel told Joseph that the baby that Mary would carry, he said in Matthew 1, 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Yeshua, Jesus, it means Yahweh saves, for he will save his people from their sins. So the good news is that God wants everyone to be saved, so God sent his son to be our savior, so that salvation is available to everyone. Paul told the young pastor Titus, He told them this. In chapter 2, verse 11, he said, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. And Paul, in his excellent defense of our faith, which is what we would call the book of Romans, he says in Romans 5.18, So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, Even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. And these verses and more tell us that every person, every person has the opportunity to be saved. Sin has entered into this world, and whether a person believes it or not, we're all marred by sin. To the point of of death, And because one human has sinned, and that's speaking of Adam, every other human has ever existed, has inherited that sinfulness, and that means the minute we understand right and wrong, good and bad, obedience and rebellion, we will choose rebellion against God. I say it over and over again. You usually don't have to tell your kids to disobey you. You don't have to tell them how to say no to you and rebel against you. It's because we automatically know that because of the sinfulness that is embedded within us. And through one man, centered into every man, and that means every single human stands condemned where we stand, that is the bad news. 
The good news is that one act of righteousness, specifically Jesus, the one sinless person who has ever lived, being fully God and fully man, he could take on the sins of the whole world and die in our place. And the one righteous act has made justification possible for everyone. It's made it possible for every person. Jesus died to bring salvation to all men. His death resulted in the justification of life to all men. But all men will not be saved. I want to be perfectly clear here. I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying. We do not believe in universal salvation. We don't believe it because the Scripture is clear that Jesus is the only path to salvation. Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, I am the way, one way, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus said. But it's not enough to intellectually agree that Jesus is the only way to the Father. A person must trust in Christ alone for their salvation. It's not Jesus plus your good works. It is Jesus alone. It is trusting what he did on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins and nothing else. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, many of us may know that, that passage. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so no one can boast. We are saved because of God's grace. It is God's grace that, that brings us salvation, but we must place our faith in Christ and our trust. We need to place our trust in his atoning sacrifice to pay for our sin and saved us. Most well-known verse in the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Whoever believes will be saved. Whoever believes will be saved, the scripture tells us. And so we need to call out to God for salvation. Romans 10.9 says, if you confess with your mouth that, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's just not mouthing the words, Jesus is Lord. It says confession. Confession is coming to the same conclusion that God has come to and fully agreeing with that. It is saying, Jesus is my king. And we can say it because we, are, we, we have surrendered our heart to him. It's saying, Jesus is my king because you have made him your king. And it's believing in your heart that is at the core of who you are. 
You know that God raised up Jesus from the dead, and that means you acknowledge what the rest of Scripture says because of the resurrection, that he was powerfully proclaimed God in the flesh because he was raised from Scripture. It says in Romans 1, we're told in Scripture that Jesus raising from the dead means that those who have him as their king will also raise up from the dead. It means that Jesus is alive right now making intercession for us. So we call out to God, confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. And he says, you will be saved. And the scripture says that when you call out to the Lord, Romans 10 and Romans 2 say the same thing. Romans 10 says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And Acts 2 says the same thing. It shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The good news, which is all for all people, everyone you know, everyone you see, everyone you've come in contact with, it's good news for them. And the good news is this. We have a Savior. And we need a Savior because we all miss the mark of God's standard, which is perfection. We're all sinful, and we need a Savior. In 1988, Anissa Ayala was 16 years old, and she was diagnosed with a rare form of leukemia. The doctor said that she didn't, if she did not receive a bone marrow transplant after chemotherapy and radiation, she would die. And her parents went and tested, and they were not a match. And she had a brother, and he tested, and he was not a match. And they couldn't find a donor anywhere. So the parents found the only solution that they could think of. They were both in their 40s. But they conceived another child with the hope that its bone marrow would be compatible with Anesis. And when the new baby was born, they had this baby tested, and, and there was great rejoicing when it was found that the baby, her name was Marissa, was a compatible donor. And when baby Marissa was 14 months old, they took some of her bone marrow and gave it to Anissa. And Anissa made a full recovery from the leukemia. And last I heard, they were both sisters were leading healthy and happy lives. Marissa was born to save her sister. And she even says today, without me being a perfect match for my sister, she would not be here. See, we were all born with the terrible, deadly disease called sin. It's 100% fatal. And Jesus was born into this world for the purpose of saving us. Christmas marks the day we celebrate his birth, it's, but it's not his birth that we really celebrate, it's his sacrifice on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins that we celebrate. Without him, there would be no salvation. 
When we trust Jesus' death on the cross for our salvation, God takes our sin from us and injects us with Christ's righteousness. Like that bone marrow. And our sin is crucified on the cross with Christ. And we become the righteousness of Christ. And we are saved. We are cured. We no longer face death. We are saved. That is good news. Salvation is available to all who want it. And salvation is found in Christ Jesus alone. Not in our good works, because there couldn't be enough of them. But we can trust in Him and be saved. But the last part of the good news, the last part of the good news I want to share with you today is found in verse 12. And I'm going to say it this way. Here's the good news. It's available to all people. The good news is we have a Savior. And also, it is good news that we can find the Savior. My reform friends might be having a conniption right now, but, but bear with me what I'm going to say. Luke 2.12, it says this. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and laying in a manger. See, it literally says here, this will be the sign for you. When you look at the original language, See, there might have been several babies born in Bethlehem that night. I don't know. We don't, we don't know that. Bethlehem wasn't all that big, but there might have been more than one. But there was only one. There was only one that was wrapped in rags, lying in a feeding trough. And if they looked, they would find him. There was not a sign that the Savior Jesus was born. There was the sign that the Savior Jesus was born. And I'm guessing since Bethlehem was not that big and there were not that many babies crying in barns and the shepherds are pretty used to being in barns, they've very comfortably and quickly found him. And I think that's the point the angels were trying to make, that God is not hard to find. When Paul was preaching on Mars Hill... In the middle of the Areopagus, he taught them about God. And in that sermon, he told them this in Acts 17, starting in verse 26. Acts 17, 26, he said, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation that they would seek God. Hear that? If they would seek that, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are also his children. See, there's people who believe God is far away. They believe that God is so far away from us that I can never find him. Some of the founding fathers of our country were deists. 
And a deist believe in a creator God, but they think of him like an absent landlord or, or maybe like an absent watchmaker, someone who created a beautiful complex watch, wound that watch up and then let it go never to interact with it again. Deists see that God created a beautiful and complex world. And he wound things up and he let it go but they believe he never interacts with his creation. So they don't believe in miracles. Prayer means nothing since God doesn't concern himself with the creation. And certainly he would not have sent his son into the world to miraculously pay for our sins and powerfully raise from the dead. Now, we might drive around town and we will not see a building with the first deist church of Montrose, Colorado. We won't see that, but I believe we have a town of people filled with them who may believe there's a God, but they believe God is far off and not concerned with their life, and I believe they think they can never find their way to God. And like Paul said, the people of Mars Hills, they're like blind trying to grope around in this life. But God moves in their life and they have, they, they, he live, they, they live and move and exist because God is working with them. God is not far from each of us. And and Jeremiah says this in 29:13 to his peep to God's people, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Father says we can find him and we can find him through Jesus alone. Jesus alone is the way we find the Father. Jesus would later say to the crowds um, in, in Matthew 11, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He says, come, the invitation to come, to find the Savior. It was given to everyone, but it was only found through Jesus Christ. It's not, the the invitation is not find your own way to God. That is not the invitation. The invitation is, Find me through Jesus alone. A popular thought today is that all roads lead to heaven. They, they just can't wrap their mind around an idea of a God who, who may not allow all to come any way they want. But a loving God made a way. Because there was no way other than Jesus. And many think that as long as someone is sincere, that if they are good and moral, whatever that might mean to them, that in the end, they will all find salvation. But the, the scripture is clear that that's simply a lie. Peter and John were arrested for preaching Jesus, and they were thrown in jail overnight. And the next day, they stood before the high priest, the rulers, the elders of the Jewish faith, and the scribes. And when they were empowered, they, they'd been empowered by the Holy Spirit at, at the day of Pentecost, and they preached. And it said in Acts 4.12, And there is salvation in no one else. 
For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. The good news is available to everyone. And the good news is that there is a Savior. But that Savior is Jesus alone. We, we must understand there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. It is through Jesus Christ alone. You know, in 1981, there was a Minnesota radio station that reported a stolen VW bug um, in California. That is, they were reporting on this. And, and the police, the reason why it was being reported in Minnesota is the police were staging an intense search for the vehicle and the driver. They put ads uh, on the announcements of the local radio stations to contact the thief. Please contact us. But they didn't have such an intense search for one Volkswagen bug because it was a Volkswagen bug. They had such an intense search for that car because on the front seat of the stolen car sat a box of crackers that, unknown to the thief, had been laced with poison. The car owner had intended to use those crackers as rat bait to kill some rats. And so the police and the owner of the bug were more interested in apprehending, in, in apprehending the thief to save his life than to recover the car or to punish him. That's the picture of God seeking us. We might say, I found Jesus. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus is seeking us. And, and maybe you're like the car thief who feels like you are running from God to escape his punishment, but what you're doing is dodging his rescue. The scripture teaches us that, that we love God because he first loved us. And we find God because God is seeking us. He's the shepherd looking for his sheep. He's the father looking for his lost sons and daughters. And the good news is that we find him. And probably more accurately is that he finds us. And he saves us and rescues us. That's the good news that the angels proclaimed to the shepherds. And I pray this morning that you are someone who has embraced this good news. But if by chance you're listening to us, you've joined us this morning for church online, to worship together online, and you have never trusted in Christ, you're trying any other way to get to God, there is no other name under heaven by which men should be saved. I encourage you to trust in him. I'm going to have a time of prayer. And it's during this time that you can ask Christ into your life and make him your king. Surrender your life to him and follow him. 
If you're a believer and you have made this commitment and you're rejoicing today because you've been reminded how great a God or salvation is, then be asking God to, to place on your heart someone who needs to hear this. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I come to you and ask that you would do a great work now. We are not in the one building, but God, you are not limited by a building. That you're with every person who has trusted in Christ right now. And God, you are working in the life of everyone listening who does not know Christ. That even though they don't believe it, you, they live and move and have their being because you are working in their life. And I pray that as you are seeking them, they find you. And God, this morning, if there's someone today who says they want their life turned over to you, I pray that they would come to know you. I pray that they would surrender their life, that they would say, I am done trusting in my works and I want to trust in Christ alone. I confess Jesus is my king and I believe in my heart God raised him from the dead and that you would be saved. And God, for those who do know you, help us to be faithful during this Christmas season to let others know in the hustle and bustle of their Christmas purchasing and running around town that we would have a minute to be able to tell them that God Love them enough to send them a Savior and they can find Him. God, I thank You for our time this morning. I thank You for the technology that we have that allows us to connect even though we're not in the same building. And I pray that You would encourage those who, who are isolated. I pray that You would bring strength to those who need it. And God, this morning I pray that You would work in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Staying Connected podcast, the preaching ministry of Pastor Roland Kennison from Rosemont Baptist Church in Montrose, Colorado. We pray the Lord will use this sermon to help you in your life and ministry. If you found this podcast helpful, would you consider contributing to our ministry? You can give online at www.rosemontbaptist.org forward slash give. If you live in Western Colorado or you're visiting the area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning. Our services start at 1045 a.m. You can also watch our worship service live through our website at rosemontbaptist.org. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Jesus Christ so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.